In this episode, we're going to head back to deception. We're going to talk about how to answer a yes or no question. Previously, we've talked about never ask a yes or no question, which I'll re-explain in this video. But while it can make it so much easier to be deceptive, there's actually ways to hide information or be deceptive, depending on what you want to do. That's the right way to answer a yes or no question without saying yes or no. This is a fun little skill to mess with people. It might be something to help you out when you need to lie or need to protect some information. Or it might be just good information to have for you so that the next time you're asking questions or even asking yes or no is an accident, you can realize when somebody's trying to be deceptive. So there is a right way to answer yes or no questions without saying yes or no. And that's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Ah, uh, the fine art of bullshitting. That's just another way to put these ideas into a category. So to recap, it goes beyond just deception when you're when you when you ask a yes or no question. It's a question we don't want to ask. We don't want to ask questions that the logical response most people are going to think is yes or no. Typically going to start with phrases that sound a lot like would you, could you, have you, did you, will you, that kind of thing. Then there's other versions of it too. Part of the reason why is it's easier to lie when you just have to give a one-word answer. Additionally, a big part of it is perception, especially if they know your perception in theirs. So when you're asking a question, a lot of times what you're looking for is of course, the answer to the whole question, but a specific phrasing in what you're saying. Whereas a person who's going to be deceptive in this situation with a yes or no, they only need one word. That's all they need. So let's look at it this way. At least in America, when it comes to relationships, dating or whatever, we have a thing called cheating when you're unfaithful. There are people that believe, and this is fine for them. This is how, how they work. They believe that flirting is being unfaithful and that's cheating. There's people that believe, for some crazy reason, that oral sex is not cheating. And there's all different variations of that word. And people argue semantics and make up all these discussions. But somewhere in there, we all have a definition of at what point are we crossing that line. The reason why we don't want to say yes or no question is, let's say you're the person that sees flirting as cheating. And you go to your significant other and say, did you cheat on me? Right. So aside from the fact it's just so easy to lie and it's easier to lie than tell the truth just in general. If that person thinks of cheating as you got to do more than oral sex, but even better, they know how you define that word. It's very easy for them to be deceptive and say, no, I didn't and come across truthful because for them, based on their definition, they're going to be truthful because they don't see it as cheating. There's a possibility, though, they show signs of deception because they're fully aware of how you see it, and maybe they feel a little guilty. Sometimes they won't. That's another reason why we don't want to do it. We want to ask those questions that require people to give a narrative response. An example is you got a little boy, little girl's crying, little girl says, my brother hit me. You can go to the little boy and say, did you hit your sister? But that's a bad idea. One, it makes it easy to lie. Two, it's a young child. Their brain isn't as developed as yours is. So the best you're going to hope for when you ask them that yes or no question is that in their head, they're going to think, well, if I answer yes, there's a 100% chance I get in trouble. But if I answer no, there's a 50-50 chance I don't get in trouble because she may not know that I hit my sister. 
So you ask them a question that's going to get them to talk, like, tell me why you hit your sister. And I'm saying, you say it like I'm saying now, you're not being angry. The reason why you're saying that, one, you relieve a lot of stress off that individual. Tell me why you hit your sister. By asking that question, one thing you're telling them is you already know what happened. So we're past that line. But you're giving them an opportunity to explain themselves. Now, they may choose to go down the rabbit hole and tell more lies, but they get a chance to explain themselves, extenuating circumstances. They also have a chance to show body language to support whether or not they're being truthful and accurate or whether or not they're lying. This is why we don't ask yes or no questions, but it still happens. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. People are going to do it. But when you're being asked bad questions, you can put it to your advantage. And you can do it in a way that people don't even realize what's happening, where you can be deceptive or you can be deceptive by telling the truth. Imagine a truthful statement that's deceptive, a factual truthful statement that's deceptive. Remember I said all lies are deception, but not all deception are lies. There's also truths that are lies. How does that work? Well, I'll give you an example. Being a patient for the Veterans Affairs, there was a time period where I had some issues with one specific doctor. I've had more than one, but there's one specific doctor I was having issues with. Now, even before this doctor, when I would go in and do like my annual VA appointments, it was probably a 45-minute appointment. We'd talk a lot about renewing medications. Sometimes I might be getting a new medicine. I might change a 30-day to a 90-day refill. I might be getting referrals. I'd get a lot of information that would come real fast. So I used an app on my phone, and I recorded at least that portion of my appointment. So I had that information for later so I didn't get lost in all the info. Because at that time, we were not getting updated paperwork when we left the appointment. So that's what I was doing, thinking nothing of it. Came along a time when I needed to make a complaint about this doctor that went through official channels. When I talked to the guy that handles the complaints and responds to him from the hospital, it became a heated discussion. He was very unhappy with me. And I had mentioned that this thing he didn't think happened, I could prove because I record my annual appointments to make sure I can track all my information and this statement is on there. He no longer cared about that. He got upset that I was telling me I couldn't record. I was explaining I could record and none of that matters. Here's the point. It wasn't long after this, maybe a week, I went back in for a follow-up appointment with that doctor. When you show up to the VA, you take your vital signs, then you go in to see your doctor. As I'm walking into the exam room with the doctor, the doctor says to me, oh, I need to ask, do you have any recording devices on you? That is not a standard VA question. Nobody asked that question. But he asked that question, told me a few things, told me one, they expected it, two, at least he'd been told, probably through his boss, three, a lot more people could know that. But they were expecting me to have one. So it was well known that I had done this. So a yes or no question. Do you have any recording devices on you? Right? Here's my response. I just have my cell phone. His reaction? Oh, okay. And that was it. And we sat down. Now I told the other guy I was using my cell phone to record these conversations. And my cell phone was already running at this point. I made sure it was running before I went in there. I told him the truth. I just have my cell phone. And that is a truthful answer. It's not even that shady of an answer. Do you have any recording devices? I could have said no and lied. That was an option. But they're already expecting me to have it because I'd mentioned I'd done it before. I could have said yes, and that could have led into another conversation. Maybe I didn't even get my appointment. Or I could give them an affirmative answer in a different way. 
by just identifying the device. This was deception. I just have my cell phone on me. All I have is my cell phone. One of those two phrases is what I said. And that is one of the ways we can answer these yes or no questions in our favor to get things to move on. I was fully aware of how that would probably be taken by somebody, that I am making them think I'm giving them a negative response. I'm describing in words the answer no. It was the exact opposite. Totally deceptive. but That's the way to do it. Sometimes you have to really stick to your guns. Sometimes people try to box you into a corner. They'll ask these broad-stroked general questions, and then they'll either not be happy that you give specific answers, or once you give a specific answer, they'll find a specific answer unrelated to what you said in order to draw you back into that broad stroke. What do I mean by this? Think about political discussions. They happen all the time here in America. You got two people, and this happens all the time during voting season. You're voting for this guy. The other person's voting for the other guy, right? And they say to you, who are you voting for? Well, I'm voting for Bob. Really? Why are you voting for Bob? And I've seen this happen where a person gives a very specific response. You know, of all the things they're talking about, Bob has mentioned this one specific thing that I really agree with. And it's actually the most important thing to me because I've never found anybody that that their beliefs and what they want to do is completely in line with mine. But this is the most important thing to me, and that's why I'm voting for Bob. I've seen things that specific that should kill the conversation. And the person comes back with a broad-stroked kind of question of either, well, what do you think about this? Or they just assume you have a certain take on a subject. And people respond to that and be like, well, I think this about that, or, or I don't have that opinion. And they get drawn into this other argument where the second person is trying to use semantics or broad stroke statements and questions to drag you back into their version of how they see this guy as bad or evil to make you feel bad about what you're doing because they're trying to change your mind. It's actually a horrible tactic. It's, it's very terrible, and it gets people through guilt and fear. And it's not coercion by definition, although some people would argue it is. I've seen cops do it. I don't know how many do it, but I've seen them do it, and I thought, this is just, just terrible. This is not how you get people to do stuff. But sometimes it works. The thing is, you got to stick to your guns and you got to stick with your specifics no matter how general they get. How did this happen to me? It actually happened in a restaurant. I was at this diner I liked. It's one of those old style 50s diners, but like it actually is that old. They got that good comb cooked breakfast food and I love breakfast food. And this is one of those places I call 50 50. Something's broken when you go there. Either the food sucks or the service does. And I kind of hope it's always the service if I have to pick because the food's awesome. Great service means nothing when the food sucks. So I went there on a day and the food was great, but the service was not good. Now to lay this out for you, typically this place is pretty full. I mean, there's a good 30 tables in there. But on this particular day when I walked in, there was one other person there who was drinking coffee and eating like some eggs that was a little older, sitting at a table. And after I had ordered, there was a couple that came in. 
uh, that were probably the same age as me. And they'd place their order. And all of us had coffee. They had the standard amount of employees that were in there. Never saw anybody else come in. Never saw the employees doing much. I saw my server, the only waitresser, kept going outside a lot. And every time she came in and walked around, I realized she was smoking a lot. And she was occasionally like refilling jam or doing a few other things. Nothing too much, but she wasn't that busy. The thing was the whole time when I had my coffee cup, I would drink it at a normal speed. I don't drink it fast. Coffee's always hot. And it would get down to the point where I wanted to refill. And if I let it sit there, it actually, what was left in there would get cold. And I would try to get her attention. I was not the only one doing it. So everybody had this issue. Now, in this country, for those that don't live here, we have a thing called tipping, where we tip people in the service industry, usually food. But it's a custom. It's a custom that should go away. That's my personal opinion. I don't just automatically tip people. But I'll definitely not give you a tip if you screw up some basic stuff. And during breakfast, if I'm just getting a couple eggs, you know, and some, you know, an omelet or something, and you're just filling up coffee, and you're having this kind of morning, there isn't really a reason why my coffee shouldn't stay full doesn't cost them anything. Everybody had this issue. And this happened a couple of times. So I chose not to tip on my $6 omelet. Oh, well. This is where it gets interesting. And this is where I will describe to you how this is done, where people ask you these broad show questions to try to narrow you in and you have to stick to your guns. It got to the point where it took so long to get coffee that I finally just said I was going to leave and I just asked for my bill and that was taking a while. So I just stood up and went up to the register you'd pay at anyway. I just didn't have my bill. And when I went up there, she said, can I help you again? Cause she just never come back. I said, yeah, I want to pay my bill. She said, well, if you go sit down, I'll bring it to you. I said, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to pay it now. If you could ring it up. And she was a little upset about that, but that was fine. So I paid with a credit card. I wrote the word zero and tip. I always write the word zero. I don't put zeros because I've had people throw numbers in there. Handed it over to her and I started to walk out the door. I could hear the footsteps are coming as she grabs my arm, which will skip past the part where that's probably assault. And she said to me, did I not provide you good service? She said it almost with a sense of wonderment like she couldn't believe it. That was to me and her tone was fake. Deception. She also said the words, did I not? That's a very odd way for the average person to talk. And additionally, it's very similar to a non-contracted denial. It's just in a question. They're not. We tend to use contractions. More deception. She already knew what was going on. More than likely, if she was sincere, she would have said, you know, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Did I not provide you good service? Almost snide about it. So it was very clear she knew what was going on. Very deceptive. But that's a broad question. Did I not provide good service? Well, if I said everything was fine, then I could get bullied into a position to be given a tip. Or if I was like, you know, no, you didn't, then it could become this discussion and argument where she tries to justify herself. I don't have time for that. So I gave a specific answer to her general question. I said, well, On two occasions, my coffee got so low I needed a refill and trying to wave you down and wait for you like these other two people did to where my coffee got cold. Not to mention, I had to ask twice to get my bill and you still never brought it back and there's nobody in here. There's nothing going on. So 
That's why you didn't get a tip. She didn't mention the tip. I just told her that's why you didn't get a tip. Just in case she was unclear. She's like, she says, okay, yeah, but, you know, something like that. She's like, okay, okay, yeah. That's about all the response was. She goes, but did I not provide you good service? And I was like, as I just told you, my coffee kept, kept running dry. What little was in there was cold because you weren't bringing coffee around and there's nothing going on here to prevent you from doing it. She went farther. She looked at me and said, that's not what I asked you. And I go, oh yeah, that is what you asked me. And that was my answer. And she was shocked. It was like her jaw hit the floor. She didn't expect that. And I walked out the door. It tells me that she's done things like this before in her life and they have worked. But that's how you get past those questions, even being honest. So you don't get drug into conversations or have to have debates or altercations with people is when they ask, offer these broad scoped questions that you have specific answers to stick to the specifics. Don't get out into the weeds with them. So even in that politics thing where there's a couple things that go back and forth where they get, don't get out in the weeds with them. And that politics thing I described, well, I like Bob for this reason. He, you know, this one issue actually is the most important thing to me. And he's the candidate that I resonate with, and that's why I'm voting for Bob. Oh, but, well, do you think do you think this about this subject over here? Because that's what Bob thinks. I wouldn't even respond to that question. I would go right back to, as I said, I'm voting for Bob because he takes his position on the one thing that's the most important to me, and that's why I'm voting for him. If you do that, I guarantee they're going to go back a couple times. Just stick to your guns. It's almost like being on a witness stand, unfortunately, but that's how you get past these yes or no questions because you got to think about some of these examples I'm giving you, like with the waitress, they're aggressive. They're trying to box you in, just like the person is who's talking politics. Whereas in the doctor example, they weren't trying to do anything bad. They were just trying to identify something in that situation when they're not a recording device, and that's a situation where I want it to be deceptive, exact opposite. It's to show you that there's ways to do this where you can choose to be deceptive and be deceptive by telling the truth because people don't think truthfulness and deception go together. Oh, yes, they do. Also shows you how when you're not trying to be deceptive or anything, but people try to use those questions to drag you into conversations or drag you out into the weeds to try to prove you wrong or try to act like you believe something you don't. You just stick to the specifics. It's like the media does it. If somebody likes a person and they state why, especially a politician, the media will come out and say, this person supports this idea. Nothing they've ever said. And they'll come out and say, I never said that. I don't support that idea. I said, this is what they never do. They never go, I said I supported Bob because of this. You know, and if they go, well, because you support Bob for that, you must, you obviously support him for all this, or you have to support him. It's like, no, you don't. You don't have to agree with him on everything. But you're not going to find somebody that has all of them. And sometimes people will, well, you believe for the other guy and they did get in a long argument. You just don't do it. Don't do it. So there's a couple of ways, the two ways it really works to get out of those yes or no questions. This is also remember, think about this, what's really happening when you ask them or hear somebody ask them, when you start hearing response that aren't logically yes or no, people that pick up on that tend to think it's deception all the time, because as I showed you, there's definitely ways to be deceptive. But they're not trained enough to realize it's not always the case. More often than not, it's somebody who's smart enough to see how terrible somebody's question is. And they give them something other than the logical yes or no, because they're not going to get boxed into some bullshit argument. And start looking for that. Then you can determine, is it deception? 
Because it's not about the fact that they didn't say yes or no. It's actually more about the person who asked the question in the situation. How do they ask it? Are they using broad-based questions? And then when they got a specific answer they didn't like, they're trying to go somewhere else with it. Okay, that guy's probably not being deceptive. So take a look at that. Try it out. Realize that truthfulness can be deceptive. And hopefully this helps you out. And you can ask better questions, give better answers, be deceptive when you need to, and identify it where it exists so you know how best to handle those situations. If you like this episode, don't forget to give us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes. Check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.